0: Hi everyone. This is Katherine Adams and Elizabeth Wallace, and you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 365. And tonight we are recapping *Laura Libis, Two episodes. We are going to start with episode 245, which is available for free right now on the Webtoons app, and then we're going to go right into 246, which is only available if you are doing the fast pass, which of course we are. And We had a lot of forward momentum in these last two episodes. Yes, story progression. And let me tell you, after 2.45, if I hadn't been fast-passing before, I would have fast-passed the hell out of this one. That was quite a place to stop it. But yes. (laughs) (sighs) So we finally... Addressed the whole Luce incident and it was addressed by Persephone letting a whole bunch of wild animals into her apartment and then marking her freaking territory. Oh my goodness. Yeah, Luce wakes up. It's like she sees a chicken in her bed. Not like that. It's like a chicken, whatever. And goes on. and Then she sees snakes. Then all the animals. And then this two-headed foal walks out from behind a corner and she screams. And that's when Persephone walks around in all of her red-eyed, black ball gown, queen of the underworld. Badassness. <laughs> and okay, so she isn't even interested in whatever messages Hades might have sent to Luce, because nope. Luce tries to say, he sent me messages I can show you and, and Persephone doesn't care. She says, I don't, I think she's made some mention about I don't care what stale ass bread messages were left for you five years ago. <laughs> Her biggest problem here is the timing. Because... Yeah. Luce had years in order to address any kind of whatever she thinks is relationship with Hades. She waited until the day after their wedding. And I gotta admit, that's pretty cold. Yeah, it really is. And so she really wants to know what the hell Luce was thinking by doing that because what Persephone thinks is that Luce is a clout chaser and wanted a trophy. And she also thought that Persephone was a pushover who would take like the high ground in the face of kind of disrespect like that. And that's of course when Luce is like, are you going to kill me? And Persephone says, no, I don't have time for the paperwork. That's oh, such man. a great line. And uh, and the smile. The way Rachel was drawing her the whole time. She just looks mischievous and dangerous for this whole episode. So she tells Luce that since Luce tried to wreck her home, she decided she'd wreck hers. And then she smiles and leaves. And I have to admit, I was a little pissed off that when she walks out, Luce just looked furious mm-hmm. instead of being terrified. Luce clearly has no clue. No, she doesn't. And we'll find out in the next episode that she even thinks that she can get Persephone into trouble about this. So (laughs) I delusional. Yeah, definitely. Although did it make you at all uncomfortable when Persephone referred to her as a clout chaser, because that was the wording that Apollo used when he was talking to Hermes and saying that the fact that Persephone married Hades proves that she was just a clout chaser the whole time. And I'm wondering if that was an accident to make it so similar, that wording between the two of them, or if there's something else that's being implied. I didn't pick up on that at all, you know. Um, I don't know. I was actually – I was wondering about the whole thing with the messages, why she wasn't interested in what the messages were, because I feel like even the most self-assured person would still want to know what Hades had sent – Is it that she literally doesn't care? Is she saying she doesn't care because she doesn't want to give Loose any kind of benefit of the doubt? Or is it that she knows that that was obviously Kronos sending those messages? I feel like a little of all of those things, but most definitely the Kronos. I think she knows the timing involved. Right, right. So we jump from there, and Hades is down on the mortal realm because they're looking for Thanatos. And he's thinking about what Persephone had told him about the child that they had seen, him as a child, and he's going, don't let that sink in, don't let that sink in. And as he's in the mortal realm, the little child with the sheet over its head is walking right next to him. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I still am not 100% sure what the connection is right there. I don't either. He was... He was also remembering flashbacks of talking with um, Morpheus's brother, I can't remember, but anyway, um, who was saying that whoever it was that Kronos has trapped down in Tartarus, it's a child, and it's really bothering Hades right now. Yeah. So he and Aries they find Thanos eventually after Aries is saying something like, I don't see why you're so grumpy. You've got a beautiful wife with a fat ass or something like that. And he's like, don't talk about my wife's ass, please. please. Yes. And, and also, she's your aunt. And mm. I love Aries's expression. He was like, well, I can't think of what else we'll talk about. And it's it's not Ares being a smart ass. He honestly could not think of a better topic of conversation than Persephone's ass no yeah so they do find Thanatos he's trapped inside this urn and he's just sort of like please let me out of here and Hades is going well there's some kind of complicated puzzle it's going to take me a while to figure it out and of course Ares manages to get him out (laughs) he headbutts the jar and breaks it Mm -hmm. and it smashes to pieces and you see Thanatos and he's sitting on the ground with his knees up to his chest and he's staring down looking angry and says I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so Thanatos tells the story. They give him some food to eat after they get him out of there. So everybody was right about how he got trapped in there. It was definitely yeah. Sisyphus. So, yeah, and it I'm, was, absolutely. Do you suppose this is a storyline that's going to go anywhere? Or is this just another way of tying into uh, the original myths? I don't know, because... Every once in a while, they'll bring in some of the human myths and kind of like dangle it in front of us. Like in the, one of the very first episodes, they actually had, what was it, Odysseus? Mm-hmm. And uh, Poseidon was yelling at him. was like, hey, I'm not a fan of Odysseus. <laughs> but we never heard anything else about that. So it might be just kind of like a little nod and a wink. But I don't know, because there's still more to come with Sisyphus' story he'll be in the underworld, and he'll be punished. And I don't know, Persephone didn't seem to really want there to be like a punishment type of thing. So maybe that's kind of establishing something for the future. I have no idea. I have no idea. Yeah. But I guess I mean, having Hades and Ares rescue Thanatos was an excuse to have a conversation in the mortal realm, where Hades just asked, do you think I'd be any kind of a parent? And Thanatos mm-hmm. has been noshing down on this big sandwich that he's got. And he said, well, you brought me this sandwich. So that seems kind of parental. And Hades is like, yes, I did bring you that sandwich. So I <laughs> love the connection between these two. So cute. And they're all ready to walk away. And then somebody behind them is just like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. And it's freaking Demeter out of nowhere who asks if she can talk to Hades. Uh, fast, pass, fast, pass. <laughs> yeah, that's where the episode ended. There's no way I would have stopped at that point. But yeah, uh The next episode starts right away with Demeter asking if she can talk to him. And Hades is like, no, I don't think so. And she says, wait, wait, please. I can't get Persephone to talk to me. And a lot of the commenters have pointed out, that's a real sign that Demeter is still thinking of this as a control thing. She can't get Persephone to talk to her. She can't get Persephone to do what she wants her to do. So I don't know, but she doesn't look pissed off at the following conversation. She looks really bereft and upset. So yeah, I think yeah. some of this is starting to come through. But she asks Hades, can you at least tell me how she's doing? And Hades is actually thinking about Persephone and Persephone sitting at her dressing table looking down at that um, that piece of jewelry that Demeter had given her and looking very sad. So yeah. Hades knows Persephone's not happy with this separation. And he tells her that She's doing well, but she would be doing a lot better if her mother hadn't humiliated her. And I'm like, preach it, Hades! (laughs) I have notes here. You tell her, Hades! And Demeter she says I just can't or something like I can't believe that the only way I can get word about my daughter is through you Mm -hmm. and I guess that's kind of fair but Hades says you made this an all or nothing situation I didn't take her from you you pushed her away and my notes here lay down those truths (laughs) it's so awesome but he says you know I know she loves you, but you're going to have to give her some space. And he starts to leave and she's calling after him. And she's like, can you just please tell her that I love her and I miss her. And I love his face as he turns back around to see her because he just gives this little nod and, and Rachel just drew him so perfectly. Yeah. Now, I, uh, I- Demeter really was drawn very well, because there's just such Mm -hmm. a complicated mix of emotions on her face, especially when Hades, you know, says she'd be doing better if her mother hadn't humiliated her. And I think some Mm -hmm. of what Hestia said to her is probably already sinking in. Yeah, yeah. But we jump immediately from there to Hestia's timeshare condo, very luxurious, and that I guess is where Hermes and Artemis in their new roommate situation are staying. Yeah, and uh, some of the commenters, one person pointed out that of course she would get scammed by someone selling a timeshare. Yeah, and then yeah. the next person who responded said Hestia is absolutely the kind of person that would get taken in by an MLM. Oh, she really? Multi oh, level marketing? Yeah, oh, she would she so ab- much. just remembering those speeches, the speech that she gave to uh, Hades about the, um, the goddesses of eternal maidenhood and her whole plan for moving forward and everything. Like, God, this feels like a multi-level marketing presentation, doesn't it? So does. And she would go into it with the best of intentions, obviously, mm-hmm, but yeah. she would get royally screwed over, But which is a shame because she is kind of dating uh, Athena. You would think a goddess of wisdom would be able to talk her out of some of this crap. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Hermes comes in and he's looking completely disheveled because of the whole he was having to take over everything while Thanatos was in the mortal realm, Trapped, so now he looks exhausted, and Artemis is just like, wow, you look amazing, and tosses him a beer. Yeah, I love that. Just her chucking him a beer across the room just says buds right there. It really does. And he tells her that um Zeus has a new kid, and she's like, Oh great, another brother. Yay. But she doesn't look too upset. I think she looks kind of amused about all of it. Yeah. I mean, you would have to be at this point. But um, Hermes says, Okay, speaking of brothers, yours really wants to talk to you. And she looks kind of downcast. And she said, Do you know what he did? And Hermes is like, I think for a second, he said, How could you tell? And she said, I don't know, it's something in the way you hold your mouth or something like that. So, so both of them now know what he did to Persephone, and neither of them are happy about it. And she wants to know, what he would do or what he thinks she should do about the fact that Apollo wants to see her. And he says, Apollo is like really determined and very desperate to see her. And they're both in Olympus now, and they're going to run into each other eventually. And he says, do you want to, I don't know, meet on your terms? Or do you want to have it by accident on his terms or whatever? And she looks very thoughtful about that. Ah, And then he says something like, let's say we order like 15 different types of takeout and just sloth out tonight. And she looks (laughs) so pleased. Like that's a great recommendation. That's awesome. And he looked really his, the way Rachel drew him in that one moment, he just looks like, I don't know, kind of happy and kind of mischievous at the same time. I mean, Hermes is just awesome. He is. And I love the fact that Artemis has him for a roommate means she trusts him. And I think that's great. Yeah. She did make a comment at one point when she was sort of getting ready to ask him if, you know, he knew what Apollo had done. She said that twin thing where, you know, one twin can feel the other if they get hurt and everything. She's like, I've never had that. Is that weird? And he remembers him rearing back for a punch. And he's like, actually, that's probably for the best. He kind of flexes his fingers. And we're like, yes, he did punch. (laughs) Yes, I have actually seen some of the fast pass teaser images. And one of them, did show a bruise under Apollo's eye. Yes. So, yay. Yes. Yep. He yes. landed a bunch. It's great. So we flip over from there straight to Hades, who's getting a call from the old man, which is Triton, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, not, not Poseidon. It's Triton. And the, the old man is yelling at him over the phone. And Hades is like, what? She did what? And he looks over, and Persephone's sitting at her desk, and she's just, she's got all red eyes, and she is smiling at him. Oh, she looks so mischievous in all these pictures. And goodness. He tells Triton, I'm sure it was a misunderstanding. I'll talk to her. And he puts Mm. down the phone, and he said, Did you fill Luce's apartment with animals? And Persephone says, Yeah, it's been a busy day. (laughs) And she smiles again and looks down and looks up, and Hades is instantly naked. <laughs> it's just like, boom, naked. So many people commenting on this said, did you torment loose? Well, yes, I did. My body is yours. <laughs> it's so amazing. Remember that one line, where Hermes was yelling at Minth about something about, you know, the crazy, wild goddess of vengeance and everything. Did you ever think that maybe that's Hades' flavor? I'm like, <laughs> so Hades' flavor. Oh my goodness. And so, of course, they do have sexy good times, and they're in bed afterwards, and they're just, oh, they look so satisfied. Peace. That smile on Hades' face is wonderful. Like, like, he's shocked. He's so happy. Oh my goodness. But before anything else can happen, he's like, oh, uh, I don't want to kill the mood, but I saw your mother. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's not the greatest timing, but it's also not information you really want to sit on for long. No, no. I mean, by rights, he probably should have told her that right away. But yeah, she's yeah, yeah, she's yeah. not upset that he waited, obviously. No. Um no. But she says, I'm going to have to face her at some point. The mortals still need spring, which says that mm. springtime isn't happening for the mortals. So I'm wondering how that's yeah. turning out. Is there going to be like famine going on I mean in the original myth there was a lot of famine because Demeter refused to let the um the plants grow while Persephone was quote trapped in the underground yeah but um Hades asks her what do you want to do about this and Persephone thinks for a bit and then we flash over to Chiron and I'm just sitting there going yay Chiron's back Chiron's back and she notices her phone's ringing and she looks down And she says something like, well, call me Atlas, because that is a lot to hold up. And I guess that's in response to like the time period, I suppose, like how much, because it's a a meeting request, like an appointment request for three hours. Yeah, three hours with Persephone and Demeter. And I honestly thought she... Um, Of course, she heard all about Persephone's relationship with her mother back when she had her first session. So I think she knows what's going to be involved. But so many commenters had the same idea. They said, wow, Chiron's going to need a therapist after this therapy session. Yeah. And I wonder how much of it we're going to see. Because I'll be honest, I've wondered about that before. You you hear about somebody who has a terrible relationship with their mother or their spouse or whatever, and... A a good therapist really can't take sides, I suppose. And I don't know how that works when somebody's clearly in the wrong, because the therapist, it's not the therapist's job to be judgy and everything. How in the world is that conversation going to work? You know, is, I mean, Chiron's definitely on Persephone's side, I guess, but she can't really be, I don't know, it's going to be very confusing. Like, is Chiron going to point out some ways where Persephone could have behaved differently? Maybe I don't know. I'm hoping not, but I, I hate to say it, but from my understanding, if you're going to have like couples therapy or relationship therapy, you really want to have a neutral therapist. You don't want to say I've been going to this therapist, and now they're going to mediate between both of us because then there's definitely going to be a bit of a bias there. And I think therapists would want to avoid that. But I'm okay with it because I'm so happy that Chiron is back, and that picture of her looking down at her phone was just beautiful. beautiful. I love how she draws her. Oh, just gorgeous. I'm so excited. It's going to be great. And oh, I'm really interested to see what in the world. I think I want to say the preview image for the next one did have Demeter's face on it. yeah So, it did. Yep. Will into the meeting. Yep, mm-hmm. yeah, she's definitely shouting in that preview image. So, <sighs> gracious. Oh my goodness. And are we going to get more about Artemis and Apollo? I mean, it's just like we have the potential for Demeter and Persephone to finally have it out and maybe resolve all this stuff. And Artemis and Apollo are going to talk and maybe something else is going to happen with Luce. I mean, You've got Persephone the whole time was asking, like, Luce, what would convince you to do something like that? And I'm like, uh, Thetis? Yeah. The same person who was convincing Minth to do things? Yes, and I think Thetis has not been seen since we saw her dipping her baby into Mm. the uh, the River Styx and getting caught doing it. So I don't know if she just left or if she's in trouble. Yes. Oh, my goodness, I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. And I haven't even read through half the comments on these episodes. I need to go through. The commenters are really wonderful. They are. And I think it's a lot of it has to do with like the upvoting downvoting thing on there. I think the really toxic stuff ends up getting downvoted out of existence. Um, I just it's a really supportive environment. And they're so clever. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Yes. And now one question I have that two headed foal that Persephone had in Luce's apartment. Do you have any idea what myth that's related to? No idea. I have no idea. I'm sure it's some sort of underworld myth. I mean, all of my knowledge of Greek mythology really comes from either the Dallaire's Book of Greek Myths mm-hmm. and the, um oh my gosh, Angela? What the hell was her name? Edith Hamilton. Edith Hamilton, thank you. Edith Hamilton's Greek Mythology, which is a really great retelling of it. I tried reading Bullfinch's mythology at one point. I found it incredibly dry. I just couldn't get into it. Oh, I think, I can't remember what the name of the... um uh, was it overly dramatic productions? The YouTube, when they, they do summaries, things yes. like that. Just from taking a look at like the Dionysus episode, mm-hmm. Greek mythology, you know, spreading into Roman mythology. We're talking hundreds of years, and yep. the myths change so much just based on the region that they go to. Like one yes. region will adopt a god and they will put an emphasis on this part of their you know, powers, whereas someone else that might be in like a port city or something would have something completely different. And I think Bolfage's mythology... Tried to summarize all that, and for me, it was yeah. just a bit much. And I guess I like Delaire's and Edith Hamilton's because it's storytelling. It's not yes. quite as much, you know, information dump as Bullfinches can get. Isn't it interesting to think that you know we look back on that, we're like, gosh, the myths changed so much with the time and how people were telling the stories and everything, and we sort of forget it's still happening, like. 500 years from now, when people look at Greek mythology, they're going to be including Lore Olympus in those stories. I hope you know, so, that's yeah. All, oh, <laughs> man. It's wonderful. Oh, man. All right, so that's it for Lore Olympus. Now, did you happen to catch up on any more Umbrella Academy? I watched two episodes, Episode 7 Ooh. and Episode 8. And a big part of Episode 7 can be summed up with, they tried to put a Dyson sphere around the Kugelblitz, and it made things worse. Because everything oh, goes... Yeah. Splody at the end of that episode and like wipes out. I mean the the city was already toast in one of the, you know, scenes where they're looking around outside the um uh the mansion. But after the Kugelblitz blows up taking out I mean the last of the sparrows. I think Ben is the only one of the sparrows left now. And so. when you look outside it's like it almost looks like the Hotel Obsidian is just a building floating on the edge of a crumbling void at this point. It's really, the imagery is excellent. The cinematography on this series, I mean, so many of the images are really, really well done. And that was yeah, particularly yeah. powerful. But even more powerful than that was the scenes with Allison. Because my God, mm-hmm. has Allison become an unrepentant bitch at yeah. this point. She is so, she is mm-hmm. so like... She's like walking wounded at this point and just lashing out at everyone. Well, most especially Victor. I mean, she's identified Victor as the source of all of her problems because Victor has caused so many apocalypses. And with the fact that she gave Harlan his powers that he accidentally used to kill all their mothers, which caused the time, the grandfather paradox, which meant... She's now lost the husband that she had in the past and the daughter that she had in the present. And she yep. is just I mean, there was a scene with all the sparrows and the umbrella academy people in the mansion and Victor and her start going at it. And I loved how like all of the sparrows are, like grabbing some popcorn and sitting down and enjoying <laughs> the fun. And, you know, Ben leans over to five at one point. Ooh, twenty bucks on the little one, five. Yeah. I'll take that action. (laughs) But yeah, but I mean, just so much rage. And then Allison gets right up. Allison actually uses her power without saying, you know, I heard a rumor, which surprises everybody. And she like is choking Victor with making him shut his mouth so he can't breathe. And all the sparrows are like, uh, let's settle down here. And she just finishes up with, we should have left you in the basement. And I loved oh. how Diego jumped up like, like in absolute, no, God. So just utterly yeah. horrified that she would say that. And Victor pops her in the face. And they don't get any better for the next two episodes. So nope. it's really... I know what I want someone to argue on Victor's behalf, but I'm going to wait to say it until I've after I've watched the next two episodes. Because Allison's only got two episodes to redeem herself at this point. Because a lot of the really touching moments in episode eight, she wasn't there. She'd already stormed off. So everybody else is like... dancing at the wedding, which is what all of episode eight was about, which was I just, oh, Luther and Sloan decide they're going to get married. And they I mean, he proposes with a handmade ring with a chunk of moon rock, because of course he did. And then they make their own wedding invitations, and they set everything up. And then they have a bachelor party that's probably like, A half hour long, because they have to do everything in a day, because the Kugelblitz is going to destroy everything, and Five's big suggestion is that they're not going to do anything, because what have they been doing since the whole series began? They've been trying to stop the apocalypse, and they've made it worse every time. Every single time. He has a point. He has a point, and he has his, you know, his other timeline self who died of old age told him, don't save the world and that's just what they're going to do so they're just going to they're going to party like crazy until it's all done and they have a beautiful yep. wedding and like i said the cinematography when all of them go outside Gorgeous. after the wedding and they're just sitting out like enjoying the sign of the apocalypse in progress Ooh. really beautifully filmed i mean the colors the lighting everything really su- i mean the amount of Effort that they put into this series. And it just sort of surprises me still because I'm still of this idea that a TV show cannot have nearly the same amount of money and attention to detail that a movie can. But man, you watch this show and that is not the case. So other things happening... (laughs) Klaus's dad kidnaps Klaus and puts him into the trunk of the car and then takes him out to an empty highway to teach him how to use his powers of coming back to life. Because he says, you're out for a half hour and then you wake up and you're completely useless. So you're helpless the entire time. And he's training Klaus (laughs) to get better by... Playing catch with him in the middle of the road so he can get run down by cars over it's and just, over again. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and it was so funny. And just why it's just like it makes you laugh because it's so awful. Yeah, it, it had, I love the actor who plays Klaus. He does such a good job. And I'm I'm really hoping that all of this is not his dad just pretending to be a nice person because he's actually weirdly supportive and helpful. And I don't... Oh, God, I have a note here with the... um Uh, them playing catch in the road and him getting hit. My note is how did nobody stop to check on the person they ran over? Don't logic the plot, Catherine. (laughs) Yeah. I was about to say, no, don't, don't worry about that. No one stops to look. No one stops to look at all, but he actually takes Klaus to a graveyard because Klaus had told him that his father from the other timeline had locked him in a mausoleum, which traumatized him because he was just spent the entire night surrounded by vengeful ghosts. And his father now teaches him how to face all the ghosts and like blast them out with that glowing blue light. And it's just, oh, it's so wonderful. Please don't let this be him putting on being a nice guy. Now I'm just, yeah, I, you're not saying anything. So I'm, my face is <laughs> blank. I'm not saying anything, no. So five talks with Victor at one point about the whole fact of, Allison blaming him for everything. And Five has a wonderful speech that just basically he tells Victor, do yourself a favor, don't do the math. And Five has like killed a lot of people. And he tells Victor, I know you want to try to deal with this on your own, but there's just, you're never going to be able to balance the scales on this. You're not going to be able to save enough people to make it right for all the people that you killed and yeah, yeah. It's, it's really well done I mean I love that actor and how well he delivers that this this whole world weary thing while still being like 12 I guess I think the actor is somewhere in his teens I can't remember but yeah I mean I know five is younger than that but the actor is getting older every season so <laughs> um, man yeah that is just Klaus I think is my favorite but it, it rotates with five a lot of the times so I really like the both of them so much yeah yeah um, lots of wonderful moments, like when Luther announced everybody that he was going to get married. And then he goes up to Victor and said, I just, I wanted to ask you, could you be my best man and my notes here? And Luther, that is the perfect thing to say. It was so good. Because <laughs> out of, out of all of them, because Luther was the one who tracked down, well, it was Vanya at the time, but Victor in the past to just apologize for not having been there for Victor, you know, and being locked in the basement and everything. And so I really think out of everybody, I mean, I know Diego cares for Victor too, and Klaus, and Klaus's way and everything, but I think Luther is out of everybody just really... Distraught that they were never there for their sibling when they needed to be. Yeah. And meanwhile, Lila has apologized repeatedly for having pretended that Stan was his son. And we see a little flashback mm-hmm. that after the end of season two, she went back to the commission and she said later she was just trying to look through the video archives to see Diego again. But she saw the alternate timeline that five stopped where. Um, Her mother shot her with a machine gun and killed her, and she's just sitting there watching it over and over again. And I think she's probably killed a bunch of commission employees who got in her way for all that. But and I just the two flunkies who came to tell her that she really shouldn't be there, and they'd be happy to drop her off anywhere. They just they like they flinch in unison every time Lila even looks at them. It's but it's actually really funny. But they're just I was glad they survived that particular meeting. But she gets them to drop her off in 1989 Berlin at the um, uh, the tearing down of the Berlin Wall, which is where her mother had stashed another suitcase yep, for time yep. travel. And that's where she meets, you know, her friend, crashes at her apartment, meets her son, who's just kind of like, on his own because his mother gets drunk and goes off with bass players for weeks and mm-hmm. Stan, you know, tells Lila, but it's fine. You don't have to stay here. And Lila's like, well, neither do you. And that's when she talks him to come along. <laughs> I thought another perfect thing to say. Wonderful. That's a shame that he didn't survive. I but- know. I know. But yeah, so, so she's, She's been trying to apologize to Diego for that. In the meantime, she has to tell him, Yes, this time she's really pregnant. I know. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I was like, Oh, are you serious? Are you, oh, yes. God, you guys. And she wants to have a life with him and he asks if he can think about it. And uh, meanwhile, their father finally comes in with Klaus and he's got a plan to save everything. And the sparrows the i sorry, Ben, I think, tries to go along with it because he's still trying to be the kick-ass sparrow, but all of the Umbrella Academy are like, no, we're not doing that. And Lila has to try to talk Diego out of going along with his father. And, Mm -hmm. you know, she's just like, no, I want you here. I want you to spend our last remaining time together. And, you know, why would you waste this time, you know, for just the odds on more time. And he said, because it'll, the odds will be worth it. If I get to spend it with you and the baby and my notes here, Diego, that's the perfect thing to say. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. It's when the chips are down, he knew what he, I mean, this whole, like, can I think about it and everything, but the chips are down and he knew what he wanted. So yeah. So all that's going on. I just, I have to keep coming back to the wedding. Like Klaus was the officiant and he was just being all weepy and everything and completely, you know, Klaus about the whole thing. And I pronounce you married as shit. Viva la apocalypse. (laughs) I love him. Oh my goodness. I love him. So yeah, that was they, we had the most romantic cover of teenage dream as their first Mm -hmm. dance, which was lovely. And then when everybody decides just to get out in the middle of the dance floor and cut a rug, and it was this very sad, but triumphant music playing over that of everybody just, you know, dancing their hearts out. And I just, oh, my heart. Yeah, this series will really get you in the feels. I cannot imagine what the final season is going to be like. Oh, my god, I don't know. But I mean, when Luther tells Sloane at one point, or tells everybody, actually, tonight is all I ever really wanted. I'm like, oh, God, doesn't that all make it worth it? It does. It breaks your heart. I watched the first few minutes of episode Nine And it was Luther being up in the moon, gradually going crazy over the amount of time he had to spend there. And that's pretty heartbreaking too. Yeah, that's, that's a rough watch right there. Because, I mean, his dad just abandoned him on the moon. That whole And the whole time he thought he was doing something important. And I think that was the one thing that kept him from going absolutely batshit crazy. But we all know, because of previous seasons, that his dad did it just to kind of get him out of the way and didn't really want to see how he'd failed. Oh, and... Uh, Cause he found all the packages that he had sent to his father with the moon samples unopened and Klaus in a, like a, I guess he was in a, not a dream sequence, but an afterlife, whatever, where he was actually talking to his father and he told him about that. And his father said such a mistake. I should have destroyed the packages. I'm like, oh my god! Way to god. miss the point. So miss the point, God. But that's that's very typical for that character. Talk about like the perfect thing for that character to say. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. So. Yep. So only two more episodes. Oh, man. So excited. <laughs> <laughs> so believe it or not, I actually finished watching the final episode of Ted Lasso this week. Oh, no kidding. But I can't really talk about it because you haven't seen anything. Nope. All I'll say really fast is that it was definitely a better episode than the rest of the episodes in the season. Mm. It could not reach up to the quality of any episode in the first and second season. But... It's not like the show was ever embarrassing, you know, they did a good thing. It's a shame that the third season really needed a tighter edit, but um, Hannah and I were talking in Instant Messenger, and there was a lot of, it's almost kind of like telling, not showing, because they would say something, and then it's like they would just like let it sit a little too long, like, oh, hey, that was funny, and to let the audience catch it, or, you know, oh, hey, that was important, or that was profound, and... The first season and the second season never did that. A lot of times, like the jokes and the funny things and the important things, they would say it and then they would move on real fast. And you had to work hard to catch the cleverness. And this, it just really slowed everything down. But uh, other than that, I can't really talk about anything because it would be spoilers. Okay, well, Um, since I only have two more episodes left of Umbrella Academy, I have a wide range of things that I can start trying to catch up afterwards. So like Sandman, which I still haven't finished watching. I think we made it... Through. We, didn't know that. we made it halfway through the season, and then once they finished a story arc, we just didn't go back to it, and I don't know why. It happens. That's a thing that happens. But I guess that will wrap us up for the week, so make sure to check out PixladyGeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries. So, Hugh actually reviewed two movies this week. He did the Boogeyman, which I had not realized was based on a Stephen King story. Mm-hmm. Yep, Night that? Shift oh, from I the sto- oh. uh, short story collection. This is one of my favorites. Oh, well, sorry, oh, it's wow. one of my favorite collections. It's not really my favorite story, which I don't really think they followed the story that closely anyway. Ah, that's fine. Uh, but he also reviewed, um, what is it, uh, Across the Spider-Verse, the latest Ooh, Spider-Verse movie? Yes. So, of course he gave it an A+, plus, but it just... Really, everybody on the internet has been going crazy. And of course, um, Bendis over. I always think of him as a DC person, but he's a Marvel person, whatever. He is just, he was an executive producer on the movie and had so much to do with Spider-Verse and he is just over the moon because everybody's been saying lovely things. Oh, good. Yes, well, I know they've got that at the Alamo Drafthouse, so we will have to try to go see that because that's my one regret is not getting to see the first one in a movie theater because, boy, what a spectacle that one was. Mm -hmm. Anyway, all that and more, pixelatedgeek.com. So next week we will have Night Vale. We're a little behind in our Night Vale. It's fine, it's fine. It's fine, fine. Uh, And other nerd things that come across our path. So, one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later. you just walk your way across the thing here get off go 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 it's a shame that the second season really needed a tighter edit and also like sorry what you mean the third the third season cat go